Thanks for tuning in to our Monday Night Godcast, an immersive and interactive discussion of the Bible. If you're listening to this right now, then I know for a fact that God has something for you. That's right, you. I'm glad you're here. Let's dive into God's Word and see what He has in store for us today. WDJD series, What Did Jesus Do? And today, we're going to be talking about some stories, like uh, some different instances where Jesus healed. So that will be today's theme, uh, Jesus healed. So, I actually have a list of 37 miracles that Jesus performed. Pretty cool list, and then also list all the references for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of of all the references for each one. So, this is in chronological order. Brace yourself. There's 37. Jesus turned water into wine at the wedding at Cana. Jesus healed an official's son at Capernaum in Galilee. Jesus drives out an evil spirit from a man in Capernaum. Jesus heals Peter's mother, Peter's mother-in-law's, who is sick with the fever. Jesus heals many sick and oppressed that evening. Uh, first miraculous catch of fish on the lake of Gennesaret. Jesus cleanses a man with leprosy. Jesus heals a centurion's paralyzed servant in Capernaum. Jesus heals a paralytic man who was let down from a roof. Jesus heals a man's withered hand on the Sabbath. Jesus raises a widow's son from the dead in name. Jesus calms a storm on the sea. Jesus casts demons into a herd of pigs. Jesus heals a woman in the crowd with an issue of blood. Jesus raises Jairus' daughter back to life. Jesus heals two blind men. Jesus heals a man who is unable to speak. Jesus heals an invalid at Bethesda, a paralyzed man. Jesus feeds 5,000, plus women and children. Jesus walks on water. Jesus heals many sick in Genesaret as they touch his garment. Jesus heals a Gentile woman's demon-possessed daughter. Jesus heals a deaf and dumb man. Jesus heals 4,000, plus, sorry, feeds 4,000, plus women and children. Jesus heals a blind man at Bethsaida. Jesus heals a man born blind by spitting in his eyes. Jesus heals a boy with an unclean spirit. Uh, The miraculous temple tax in a fish's mouth. Jesus heals a blind, mute, demonic. Jesus heals a woman who had been crippled for 18 years. Jesus heals a man with dropsy? Dropsy? On the Sabbath? I'm not sure what that one is, actually. Jesus cleanses 10 lepers. Being lame? He healed the lame guy on the Sabbath? That might be what that is. Jesus cleanses ten lepers on the way to Jerusalem. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead in Bethany. Jesus restores sight to Bartimaeus in Jericho. Jesus withers the fig tree on the road from Bethany. Jesus heals a servant's severed ear while he is being arrested. And then the miraculous, uh, the second miraculous catch of fish at the Sea of Tiberias. Gross. He is the uh, withered hand. Okay. And then that that list of 37, that doesn't include then, you know, him raising from the dead, which I would say is also counted as a miracle, but 
that's the uh, this list of 37 miracles that Jesus performed in chronological order. So we're going to look at a few of these. Um, people with your physical Bible, can you see well enough with the lighting? Okay. All right. Um, let's start at... I like this little chunk here. Matthew 9, verses 18 to 34. Because this gets us, this little chunk right here is three back-to-back-to-back miracles, um, three of which um, were in that list of what I just read. Matthew chapter 9, verse 18 to 34. Um, Does somebody want to take 18 to 26? Oh, there's two sections, so one you can take one, one you can take the other. Go ahead, sir. Okay. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. Awesome. What two miracles did we see here? The lady that had the discharge of blood for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the girl being raised from the dead. Yeah. Two miracles. As Jesus was on his way to go heal someone... He was kind of like halted. He, he, well, he kind of stopped himself as he was walking through the crowd. Um, I, I actually like, I think it's John. I think it's John's, uh, um, in the book of John, where during this story, um, you know, Jesus describes that he's walking in a crowd and there's a bunch of people and everyone's just kind of like pushing and trying to get close to Jesus. And he kind of stops and says, who touched me? And one of his disciples was like, Jesus, like, you're in a crowd, everyone's touching you. And he's like, no, I felt healing power leave from me. Like, someone intentionally reached out and touched the fringe of my robe and took healing power. And uh, I really like that, John's um, account of what happened there. Um, But Matthew was there, and he's telling about this as well. Um, But it's the same instant. He's on his way to go heal, um, well, to go bring this dead girl back to life. And it's on the way where... Jesus met this woman where she's at. Well, actually, she kind of met Jesus, but he turned. He, he fulfills her need. I always call this story productive procrastination, um, because Jesus is on his way to go save this little girl. She's dead. You know, right? The the leader, the synagogue leader, comes and says, "My daughter has just died, but you can bring her back to life." If you just come and lay your hand on her. So he goes. And on his way there, he kind of stops. Everyone's trying to touch him and get close to him and see what's going on. 
all this word is spreading about him, all these miracles that he's doing. Previously, he just healed a paralyzed man just shortly before that, and then two demon-possessed men right before that, and calmed the storm right before that, and fed 4,000 people, and healed many people. So, like, a ton of stuff. And man with leprosy, if you go back just one chapter, and if you read, starting at Matthew 8, you'll just see miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, and then here, miracle, 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 and it just keeps going. And right, that whole list of 37, there's a whole lot right there in these two chapters, Matthew 8 and 9. So productive procrastination, that's, that's what I always call this. He's on his way to go, he's got a goal, right? He's got something he's about to go do, and he stops, but for a very good reason. This woman who's been bleeding for all these years touched the fringe of his robe. She sought him out in faith, and he, he says, your faith has made you well. And he actually says that to, in response to a lot of people in in the, the miracles and healings of your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved your son. Your faith has saved you. And then after this instance with the, the woman who reached out and touched the fringe of his robe, who was then suddenly healed and stopped bleeding, then he gets to the little girl's house and... There's all of these people who are there, you know, all these mourners who are there who are paid to do that, mourn and cry and, and wail and sob and cry out to the Lord. And Jesus is like, get out. She's not dead. She's sleeping. And they all start laughing. He's like, okay, now, all right, get out. And then, and then he goes in and I believe he just touches her. Uh, takes her hand. Takes her hand, yeah. He, he touches the girl by her hand, and she stood up. What do you guys, well, any thoughts, comments? I mean, there's, the thing that always sticks out to me is that there's multiple accounts of this story. And, like, every single time it's like, he's like, go away, this girl's not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Like, I don't know. Like, somebody's daughter just died. Like, that's like the concept. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it just feels like not the time to laugh at somebody. But maybe you're just, I don't know. It just, it always sticks out to me, mm. that particular. And they laughed at him. Like, and you do wonder, like, is it because they were paid mourners or whatever? Like, what is the, the thing? Or is it, you know, that sometimes people laugh when they're, like, I mean, I would, I'm much more of a uh, comedic person, right? So I'm going to laugh as a, in times that I probably shouldn't. Like, is, is it that kind of thing? Um, or, like, but what, what, is the, what is the story here? It just always kind of sticks out to me. Because um, it's a very kind of somber, you would assume this girl is not very old. Um, and that's like the worst. Mm -hmm. I went to a funeral of a nine-year-old girl, and that it's 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 the worst. It's just absolutely terrible. Um, so, like, just kind of imagining that scenario, and imagining being one of the people that was there. I mean, I went as a you know twelve-year-old or thirteen-year-old, and. Laughing was not something that was on my mind, like, at, at any point at all. But 
would it have been if somebody would have said like, oh, she's just taking a nap? Like, is that something that would have crossed my mind? That's just what kind of goes through my head. Hmm. And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that's what I think. Like, that's what always sticks out to me. There's a lot of times where we'll read like people mocked Jesus. And you can kind of imagine, okay, so somebody says something about it and then somebody laughs. I think here all we see is they laugh. They so laugh. it could have just been like, because a lot of times humor is just something that's unexpected. So just yeah, that it was such a ridiculous, ridiculous claim. claim. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I think, I think you kind of hit it too, like in my opinion, that these people aren't, they're this little girl's family and friends are just paid, they're paid mourners. Yeah. So for someone to have been paid to come here to cry and then someone to tell them, hey, like, you should be crying because she's actually not dead, which is the reason why I'm here, to cry because she's dead. It's kind of like, well, that's silly because, like, why do you think we're here? We're here to cry and mourn over this girl who's dead. Cool. Any other thoughts, comments, observations? It's also noticeable that right after they laughed, it says they're like kicked out. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, Imagine Jesus kicking you out of somewhere. Right? <laughs> For real. Jesus or the guy who paid them. Yeah. Um, I think, honestly, I've always felt like there's some similarity between that, them getting kicked out, and then the phrasing he says in the miracle he did on the way, right? Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. Like, there are multiple times when Jesus didn't do miracles because of people's lack of faith. Not necessarily because he couldn't because of their lack of faith, but because of their lack of faith, right? Um, and so, in, in this particular one, um, like, on the way, he says, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well to the, the woman in the crowd. Um, and then he kicks people out because they... They don't, it, it, at least it appears, because they don't have faith, uh, because mm. their faith isn't there. Um, and what I kind of jotted down was another sermon idea that I'll probably be doing at some point, but like, was about the woman in the crowd. But do you bump into Jesus by accident, or do you bump into Jesus in faith? Like, because she was reaching for him intentionally. Like, she thought in her head, like, if I just touch the hem of his garment, like, that's going to be enough. And so she reached out in faith which is why he was bumped into by a hundred other people and nothing happened. Right. But then he turned around and said, yo, who touched me um, in that scenario? And that was kind of just a thought process that came to my mind. Hmm. Cool. Uh, the story with the woman and the issue of blood is one of my favorite moments. Yeah. Agreed. Um, period. That Jesus, one of my favorite interactions he has with anybody. Um, but... The, and I love it for a lot of reasons, but, um, like Zach touched on it, the courage that this woman had to have to take that step intentionally towards Jesus and be like, look, I don't care that people think I'm unclean. I don't care that I've been in isolation. I've tried everything. I don't, I, this is my last this is like the moment. This is the moment that things could change for me, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab it. Like I am going to take 
that chance and walk out in faith that he is who he, you know, that people say he is, that everything that I've heard about him is true. I'm going to, I'm going to grab hold of it and grab hold of the promise, even if like, because that's all that I can do, like, Mm -hmm. and to come to the point of ourselves, like to come to the end of it all and be like, Lord, I can do nothing but reach for you. I can do nothing but take a step towards you. That is all that I have left is to just like grab hold of you and have that courage to actually do it. Um, is just remarkable. And it's like, how many things do I go through? How many moments do I go through that I try and fix things myself, that I try and coordinate, that I'm like doing the, the right things, but am I, am I in faith reaching for Jesus? first before any of that stuff like have I truly done the one thing which is walk out my faith that he is who he says he is and he's gonna he loves me enough to do xyz not because I've earned it but because he is that good and it's I I just love it I love this story yeah I agree it's always been one of my favorite stories Any other? Oh no, let's let's read the next one. Um, Jackie, you want to read twenty-seven to thirty-four? After Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, "Son of David, have mercy on us!" They went right into the house where he was staying, and Jesus asked them, "Do you believe I can make you see?" "Yes, Lord," they told him. "We do." Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. Then their eyes were opened, and they could see. Jesus sternly warned them, don't tell anyone about this. But instead, they went out and spread his fame all over the region. When they left, a demon-possessed man who couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. So Jesus cast out the demon, and then the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed. Nothing like this has ever happened in Israel, they exclaimed. But the Pharisees said he can cast out demons because he is empowered by the prince of demons. Thoughts, comments, observations? And then also similarities and differences between this miracle, this this healing, and previous ones we just read about. an emphasis um, placed on touch this you know I think we see two different senses that Jesus speaks to here like he takes the daughter by her hand she stands up he um, is touched by uh, the woman with the issue of blood and it's a representation to me when I read it of him like you said earlier meeting you where you're at and then in the, the blind man and the deep he just has to speak Like, there is no limitation to Jesus in the way that he chooses to exercise the Holy Spirit and his power. He, it's by touch, it's by speaking to you, it, there's no, there's no boundaries, there's Mm -hmm. no barriers on that. Um, And I think he is intentional and thoughtful enough to tailor the way that he provides his provision to you 
in a way that you will receive and invites you into a moment of intimate relationship even if it's just that moment right he carries on he's continuing his ministry but for that moment he meets you and provides in the way that you will receive that changes your life um, which is amazing perfect well said anyone else comments oh i like that the woman that was leading she um acted in in faith internally and she was given she acted on it and was healed whereas the blind men they shouted it at you know at god at jesus like son of david have mercy on us like they were you know they demonstrated that um their faith and like a little bit of desperate need um outward and like as loud as possible, I don't know, imagining um, them shouting. And it's so cool how it doesn't matter how you go about, um, you know, calling on on the name of Jesus. He, he can hear you. He sees you. He's listening to you, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's internally or, or outwardly, like by speaking. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good. else? Similarities, differences? Oh, and I think it's very funny that it says, after Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was funny too. It's, I, uh-huh. it's cool. Like they're blind, but I guess their other senses is just it. It's so emphasized, or like it gets tuned into it's other funny. things. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's plus so be, probably because there was a crowd. Um, yeah. Oh sure. And yeah, because I mean, right? You know, previously when uh, he just healed the woman with the bleeding, and then Jairus's daughter. Then it says that uh, a crowd followed him. Um, so, like, there's a crowd there. But, yeah, so then, yeah, it's funny. Two blind men following Jesus. But I think they're going based off of just hearing a bunch of people going this direction. And, and they're overheard, like, Jesus. Did you just hear him say, Jesus? Yeah. Let's go in this direction. Um, and they cry out to him. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. They, like you said, Shouting. I mean, they're they're probably just screaming at the top of their lungs, and um, we've seen that before too. There, there, there's one or two other instances of someone who's blind, you know, just sitting on the street. They heard Jesus coming, and they're like saying the same thing: "Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us!" And the people are like, "Hey, shut up, be quiet!" And they were like even louder: "Jesus, Son of David, have mercy!" And then he came over to them. And we see, you know, here's another similarity. Uh, verse 29, he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. When he's asking, do you believe I can make you see? They said, yes, we do. So we see again, yet yet again, almost every time, Jesus says, because of your faith, it will happen. It has happened. It's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this time, you see, he touched their eyes. So we see, you know, I think the last two, 
right? Was for touch, right? The the woman touched his robe. Jesus touched the girl's hand. Here he touches their eyes. So all these all these instances right here was from Jesus' physical touch, healing them. Alright, now we're gonna go to Mark 7. On your mark. Mark 7, verse 31. This man, well, um, this man is deaf and has a speech impediment or possibly mute. So this man can't hear and can't speak. So we want to read that, verse 31 to 37. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of Decapolis. There, some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven, and with a deep sigh said to him, something in Aramaic, exactly. which means, be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He had done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. That's awesome. I'm sure McCabe and Zach have some thoughts about this one here. <laughs> Spit. Bit on the man's tongue. Yeah. I mean, even that's a little bit of a stretch for me. <laughs> it's like, I've got some thoughts about it too, but... I mean, honestly, it just... I feel like that just... That speaks to me personally about level of faith, right? Like, because... It's freaking weird, dude. Like, it's just... it's That's just what it is. Yeah. But... That's that's something that I think oftentimes, um, and maybe this is just me, so I don't want to put blame anywhere that it shouldn't be, um, but I feel like we're pretty soft today with like the way that we kind of, with a lot of our kind of Christian views of being like, well, you know, like God isn't going to do anything like that. Like God's not going to be weird on you. Like we, we kind of put our own comfort boxes in. And, um, and we say things like, well, God isn't going to do anything that's not according to his word. And that is true. However, some freaking weird things happen in his word. <laughs> and so I think a lot of times we just kind of zone out there. Um, and so, yeah, like, you know, mm -hmm. spitting on eyeballs or whatever. Like, it's just yeah. weird. Like, not to get you off track, but he literally stopped the sun mm -hmm. from, like, what the heck, man? Yep. Mm -hmm. Like, did we miss something like that? Mm -hmm. Whoa. Sorry. No, I mean, that, that's, 
That's exactly it. Alright, other, other similarities and differences that we see between this story and the previous healings that we just saw. He just told you not to go tell him what they did anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I love how it says, um, uh, oh, no, I lost it. Was it immediately? Jesus told them, oh no. So Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. <laughs> it's interesting how in some cases he tells them not to tell anything. And then at the very end, he gives the Great Commission and says, Go! And tell, and tell everyone! Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? Anyone? Thoughts? Why do you think Jesus told them not to tell anyone? And multiple times. After healing, bringing a girl back to life. Other healings too. Don't tell anyone. He knew that they were going to. Any thoughts? Maybe he's using child psychology. <laughs> <laughs> Don't jump on the bed. I think there are a couple perspectives out there regarding like the secret, you know, keeping him. I personally, I think I ascribe to the the idea that he wanted to be able to do as much good for as long as possible before people really, like, he wanted to carry out his ministry. And the more popular that he became, that time period between him being able to actively work out and do the things that God had placed him here to do, and his death, was going to become closer and closer and closer and closer together. Um, you know, gaining popularity, notoriety, all of those things, like, it wasn't time for that yet. That was going to come, but it wasn't time. Mm -hmm. And in some of these cases, it just was not time. Not to say that he didn't know it was going to happen, but I, I would think that he wants to be able to accomplish as much as humanly possible without being hindered or interfered with. Mm -hmm. um, that's my thought. No, I think I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, my my two cents of that, you know, he. Why why did Jesus come to Earth? What was well, the whole point? To die on the cross, and when he dies on the cross, he says, "Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they're doing." And I know it's not an accident that certain people. Certain people did get to know more than other people. That, like, if everyone knew all of it, then who would be the person to say, like, oh yeah, I'll go nail Jesus to a tree? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think he had a very specific reason for why he came here. He came here for salvation. He came here to to save the world. He didn't come here to heal every sick person. I mean, like, in the long run, but. The reason for Jesus coming to earth in the first place wasn't to seek out every single person who has an injury or sickness or disease or anything and heal every single person one by one by one. I mean, he could have easily just snapped his finger and everyone would have been healed. But that wasn't why he came. And I think, you know, like, right along with what you were just saying, Jackie, of like his, you know, he's trying to fulfill his mission of coming here and to stop and have, you know, like, he... He never, like, ran away from crowds. Like, he would often withdraw from the crowd to go spend time in prayer. 
but he would he didn't hide from crowds be like oh there's too many people i have to heal here no he often was like exhausting himself to the point of just like just being completely utterly well just exhausted from healing everyone all day but he came there for a reason and he didn't want to essentially be hindered or stop on his mission of becoming the savior of the world to be each person's individual healer when he came to die for all and if he's stopping to be with every single person that's hindering him from dying for all but another similarity uh oh yeah i think we're gonna touch about well touch and Internally versus externally, and this man couldn't do, or at least it doesn't speak to the internal. But he he did not have the ability to ask for healing, and that strikes me because it's like he he could not confess. He couldn't do. He couldn't speak words. He might have thought in his head and prayed forever. We don't know, but and yet. Jesus met him where he was at. Mm -hmm. Like, even when we don't have the words to ask him for what we need, if we don't know what it is or whatever, um, he's there. He's faithful to pick up that slack, right, and meet us exactly where we are. I mean, all the stories that we've read so far, like, that is who he is. Is he His purpose, he came to seek and save those who were lost. At the end of the day, like that was his purpose, and we see him do it over and over and over again in different ways through healing. Which uh, we were all in that, um, I think, that message with Pastor Gregory talked about sozo, right, and salvation and what that is, and how healing is an expression and a branch of that. And so, it's just super powerful to me that there are people that can't speak that we don't know what their inner thoughts are and yet Jesus does and he's there and he's faithful to provide um, regardless of their ability to profess or say anything. I think that's something super special. So here's a, here's a um, difference between all four of the miracles that we just read about, all four healings. Um, with Jairus' daughter who is dead, Jesus went to go seek him on behalf of someone else. The woman who was bleeding, she sought out for herself, Jesus. And then the two blind men, they just followed, I mean, we're assuming just based off the noise and stuff, to, to go seek him out. And then here, this starts out by saying, um, a deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. So now we have a whole crowd of people saying, Jesus, wait, heal this guy. He really needs it. He's can't, he can't hear you or see you. And a few things going on here. You know, we see this one being a very interesting way of going about healing someone. Jesus uses, his, Jesus uses a curious manner here in healing this man. Throughout his ministry, throughout all these different healings and miracles, we see him use a lot of different ways about healing. He healed with a word. He healed without a word. 
He healed in response to one's faith. He healed in response to the faith of another. He healed to those who asked, and he healed to those who approached. Jesus didn't want to be tied down to any one method to show his power, and, um, in order to show that his power was not dependent on any method, but on the sovereign power of God. And I think it, it's, it's just so cool. I mean, all the different ways. If, if we were to just read all the stories of every single healing, and we see people with leprosy, right? We've seen him just say, like, be healed or touch someone. We've seen him say, go into the river. What was it? How many times did he tell the man to go into the river? Anybody remember that story? Seven. seven. Yeah, seven. sounds about right. To go into the river, come in and out seven times, and then on the seventh time, he was healed. And that one's so interesting, too, because imagine Jesus telling you to go do something seven times, and the first time you do it, and nothing happens. The second time you do it, and oh, still nothing happened. The third time, nothing happened. The fourth time, nothing happened. The fifth time, nothing happened. You're getting like, is something actually really going to happen? I thought maybe I'd see a little bit by a little bit. I'd start, like, you know, my skin looking a little bit better every time. You're saying that my leprosy would be healed if I go in the water seven times. And it's been five times, and I still look exactly the same. And then it's the sixth time, and it's still exactly the same. At that point, you're like, all right, what's even the point? Like, is doing this one more time even going to make any difference if six times didn't do anything? But you do it in faith. She just said seven, do it seven times. You went in the seventh time, and now completely healed. There was no power in him going into the water. The power was in the obedience, in the, in the faith of, you know, six times didn't do it, and it had nothing to do with it being a certain amount of times. It was just, Jesus said, do it like this, so do it like that. And it reminds me of the song, um, Spirit Lead Me, I think that's what it's called, uh, where it's like, um, if you say, be still, then I will rest. Um, if you say, go, then I will go. If you say, no, well, I'm messing up the words, but um, it's just exactly that. Like, if you say this, then that's what it is. Many people... I believe, cared about this man here, this blind mute man, because there was a whole crowd who brought him and begged Jesus to lay his hands on him. So I think it's pretty safe to say that a lot of people cared about him. And perhaps many people prayed for him before, prayed for his healing, prayed for him to be able to see, for him to be able to hear. But probably, most likely, almost definitely, no one ever stuck their fingers in his ears or spit on his tongue. Or maybe, maybe someone put their finger in his ears, you know. But I'm almost certain no one ever spat on this guy's tongue before. Jesus did something completely new to catch this man's attention. Because I couldn't catch this man's attention with words or with sight. So doing something completely different than what anyone else has ever done is what Jesus did here to meet this man where he's at. In each case, Christ adapted himself to the need of the person. You can read all these 37 miracles. In each case, Jesus adapted himself to the need of the person. Alright, verse 34. This, I think, is pretty interesting. 
So, well, in 33 we see, okay, the puts his fingers in his ears, spits on the guy's tongue. Verse 34, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said that word. Anyone have any uh, pronunciation on that? There's a lot of P's and H's and A's. Which means be open. There's only one fa. I'll sing it twice. Maybe he was saying Ephesus while holding his own The side, I think, is a really interesting word going on here. Look up to heaven, he sighed. So he just, okay, he goes like this. Just, just picture right here. So he goes like this to the blind, to the blind deaf man. And then spits on his own finger. Touches the man's tongue. And then goes... Why was it significant to say that Jesus sighed? Couldn't Mark have just left out that he sighed? I mean, he didn't mention every other time that he took a breath, right? Why does it matter that he sighed? Well, it doesn't exactly say how he sighed, so sometimes people, when they sigh, it can be of annoyance or, like, inconvenience. But also there can be sighs of relief and sighs of comfort. Um, and so... Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, there are definitely different types of sighs. Yeah, I, I don't take this as a ah, Holy Spirit. Like, be open, I guess. I might as well. I'm here, so everyone's begging me. Ah, like, I don't think that's the case here. Can anyone else recall, though, another time in the Bible where it talks about a sigh? Okay. And what, what was it in that case? He sighed right before the final prayer. Yeah. Final breath. After. Okay. Any other sighs throughout the Bible? Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephatha, which means be open. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Five bed points for that. <laughs> There are a lot of times where, like, it's it's tough to tell, like, a size. If a size is the same thing as a groan, in certain cases. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you just discovered something. If I thought. Um, but there are other, I, as soon as you said it, I was just like, okay, time to search. And so I cheated. But it's, like, mentioned in, like, the Old Testament a few times, like, Isaiah, he says, mm -hmm. like, divine languages, a merry-hearted sigh or whatever, and then other 
there are just other times. So let's go to I, I think this one I've definitely quoted a lot before. So you all have probably heard this at some point. Romans eight twenty three to twenty six. I'll read it if you don't want to put there, but Romans eight twenty three to twenty six. It says, "And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God." will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have uh, something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't have yet, we must wait patiently and confidently. Here we go, verse 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. That, that verse right there, I, I quote all the time of, when you don't know what to pray, you can just pray. You don't even need to say it. You can just groan. You can just sigh. And the Holy Spirit is there to translate that. Which I think is so wonderful that... That, yeah, a sigh has a lot of different meanings. A groan has a lot of different meanings, right? To be like, uh, means something very different than, uh, right? The first one shows annoyance. The second one shows relief, tired. There's a reason I'm talking about this for so long. That word sigh that we read here in Mark. The Greek word is stenazo, which, which means sigh, can also mean to pray inaudibly with grief. To pray inaudibly, which is exactly what the Holy Spirit is, is able to translate. Our, in, in our, our inaudible prayers, which, if you think about it, um, just now connecting this thought this man that is healing is mute he's had a lot of inaudible prayers mm. he's meeting him exactly where he's at the Holy Spirit can definitely still hear this mute man this same word the Greek word stenazo. It's it's a very rare word uh, used in the Old Testament. In Isaiah 35, 5 and 6, it says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Mark wants us to know here that the Messiah was here, bringing the glorious benefits of his rule. 
Because in Isaiah there, it's talking about what will happen when the Messiah comes. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will leap, the dumb will speak. Mary, did you know? That's Mary, did you know? Yeah, yeah. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again. Describing the man's speech defect is alluding to Isaiah 35 5 here, which celebrates God as the one who comes in order to unstop the ears of the deaf and to provide song for the man's inarticulate speech. Any other thoughts? Imagine being, I mean, we don't know that it's for all his life, but if he was blind and mute, but most likely it is, because I don't think you kind of lose both senses all of a sudden. It's possible. But anyway, imagine for the first time being able to see and hear now, and the first thing you see is Jesus, and the first thing you hear is Jesus, and you got this whole crowd of people who just brought you to him. Okay. So. Now what? Jesus healed these people back then. That's what Jesus did. That's our WDJD. What did Jesus do? He healed. He healed a lot of people back then. So what does that bring us to, to today? 2023. What would Jesus do? can Jesus do? What can we do? How does this apply to us? The same God who did all these things, brought a dead person back to life, healed blind people, gave words to the tongue that hasn't been able to speak, opened up ears of the deaf, healed people who couldn't walk, all these things. Same God then, same God now. And the craziest thing of it all is that Jesus himself told us that through his power we can do the same things and greater than what he ever did. But how many of us really believe that? Or Maybe believe is the right word. Act on that. How many of us actually act on that? How many of us... Alright, here's my question. All these people were healed because of their faith. Because of your faith, your daughter will live. Because of your faith, you can see. Because of your faith, you can hear. Because of your faith, you're no longer bleeding. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. 
Alright. Well, if that's what Faith can do. Yes, I'm sure now you're saying that's what Faith can do. <laughs> if that's what Faith can do to heal you, what can our Faith do to heal others? Do we actually believe it? Are we actually bold enough to pray for people's blindness? Ooh, that's a tough one. Because I'd rather just pray that uh, they feel better from a cold. Or that, you know, oh, something bad happened, I'll pray for you. That's an easy one. I can just say it and there's no, no like, ah, Jesus did it or he didn't, right? How many of us would, would lay our hands on a deaf ear and pray for them to be able to hear? How many of us would, maybe not today, but how many of us would spit on someone's tongue so they could speak? Maybe not because of COVID, but. <laughs> but how many of us would pray over someone who can't speak for them to be able to speak? How many of us would pray over a dead person starting but I prayed over my car and it didn't start I've also prayed over my car before and it did start same I think, I think we've, we've probably all been there at some point like God please let there be an empty parking spot I'm running late please let there be an empty parking spot when I get there <gasps> thank you God right but how many of us would actually pray for something impossible because that's it, it's, it's easy to pray for something that's possible yeah. but how hard is it to pray for something impossible because yeah. to God it's all the same it's possible Like 
tubes and stuff in them. So it's like if they just all of a sudden start like moving and whatever, then we could hurt them more. So it's but yeah, none of them has gotten out of it. Just <laughs> sad, but yeah. But it's just in my heart, like I don't say it out loud. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I think I definitely feel like I lack in the faith department. Like when it comes to, when you look at the way that somebody like Peter operated, right? And it's always very difficult to compare because you're comparing at the highs, right? And the lows, because you get to see all of it, right? You get to see him deny Jesus. So like, obviously there are, there are hills and valleys. Um, however, I haven't had a hill where I'm like, Hey, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to get out of this boat. And, like, just absolutely full sending into the stormy water. Um, like, there... It... I, I think it all just comes down to faith, to be 100% honest. Um, and it's not to say that just because you have faith, oh, now everything's fine and dandy and everything's going to work out. And now, like, every single thing that you, every single miracle that you want to happen, happens. Because it's not up to you, ultimately. You're still not doing anything. It just comes down to the faithfulness of the vessel, if that makes any sense. Cool. All right, that's, that's really just where I'm going to leave it. It's, it's just an open-ended question of what would it look like? How would we live our lives differently? Like our day-to-day, -day, what would it look like, you know, for for anything? The way you approach people, friends, families, strangers, you know, people on the street, coworkers, anyone of this kind of faith, this kind of confidence, this kind of, I mean, really faith, because each one is the same, your faith has healed you. And... You know, the faith of different people is what healed those different people. I think I want to expand what you mentioned a while back. In each person's need, they were different to the day, and Jesus met them where they were at. Mm -hmm. And so I think for us today, we can follow that example meet people where they are at in the best that we can, obviously not to the point where we're so defeated, but because we're not Jesus, um, and even Jesus didn't be arrested, but, um, you know, if somebody needs a word of encouragement, a helping hand, a listening ear, a walk, a Christmas movie, whatever it might be, like, just meet them where they're at, I think that that speaks volumes. That's good. God, thank you for your word and thank you for um, all these miracles that you did so that we can see your healing power, so that we can see how people's faith have healed them, how, how you have reacted to people's faith and, and healed different people with all sorts of different types of diseases and ailments and, and 
paralysis is going on and all these things people who were born blind people who became lame people who died it doesn't matter what happened that you were able to meet them all where they were at and you were able to bring restoration god we thank you for who you are thank you that we're able to have faith in you we pray for more faith and god we pray for helping us to come to you in prayer even when we don't know what to say to just say and for you to be able to translate that the Holy Spirit is able to translate our our sighs and our groans when we just don't even know what else to say when we are broken hearted when we are torn down and defeated and exhausted at the point of break God that you can translate that into words that is understandable and that you answer those prayers too it's not just that you hear us, but that you still answer prayers. Thank you that you're the same God as you always have been, that you never change. You're the same God who formed the earth, the same God who saved Noah and his family, the same God who brought Moses through the Red Sea, the same God who healed all of these people, and the same God who's listening to us and joining us today in this basement. Thank you, God, for this Christmas season where we get to spend extra time to reflect on, on you coming to earth. And that, and just that, that's another miracle, that a heavenly God, an eternal deity, came down and joined us here, took on flesh to, to be able to relate to us so that we can relate to you. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you for all that you've done for us and for sending Jesus to die for us. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. It's always a good time when God's presence is with us. I hope you enjoyed it and that you tune in again for the next episode of the Monday Night Godcast.